you've come to the right place. It's another edition of the Smart Driving Cars podcast, and we have another great guest with us. Thank you for listening or watching and hope you and your families are staying well. This edition is sponsored by the Smart ETFs, Smart Transportation and Technology ETF, symbol MOTO. For more information, head to MOTOETF.com. I'm Fred Fishkin, along with the Faculty Chair of Autonomous Vehicle Engineering at Princeton University, Alan Kornhauser. Hi again, Alan. Hey, good afternoon, Fred. Before we dive in, we want to let you know that the next edition of our live debate series is coming up at 2 p.m. Eastern on Monday, the future of public roadway transit. Head over to zoom-tank.com for more info and to pre-register to participate. Uh, the response to the first in the series last month was overwhelming, so you're not going to want to miss this. Well, NVIDIA is making news today. And with us is the company's Senior Director of Automotive, Danny Shapiro. Glad you could join us, Danny. Hey, it's great to be here. Even though we're all remote, uh, this is really a, a great opportunity to see you. I'm glad you're doing well. Yeah, thank you. Thank you very much. And nice to see that you're doing well. And um, um, it's nice to have Zoom available to us to be able to do this somewhat easily. I mean, you know, to think about the, how we had to get together in the past. I don't know, maybe the new normal is, uh, no, it isn't. <laughs> Never mind. <laughs> well, lots of significant announcements from NVIDIA. A, a new line of chips with far greater AI capabilities than what you've had before. Announcements in robotics, the release of the Jetson Xavier NX Developer Kit. Danny, give us a little overview from your perspective of what this all means. Yeah, thanks so much, Fred. So I think, as you know, GTC is our big conference every year. And of course, we had to make it digital this year with uh, very little notice. And so we've had hundreds of sessions that have gone online on the, the GTC uh, website. And today, Jensen um, presented his keynote uh, in, in eight chapters, actually. So it's a whole series. You can watch it on our website or on YouTube. Um, and in that uh, keynote, now we've made several announcements. We've announced our, our new Ampere GPU architecture. So we're seeing an enormous boost up to 20x performance over previous generation with that GPU. And again, it's being designed for data center usage for AI. Um, but we have uh, an automotive grade uh, Ampere that we're putting into the drive platform. And so along with the Orin SOC that we previously announced and that has the Ampere GPU inside, coupled with this new discrete GPU, um, the future drive platform will scale up to 2,000 tops. And so that's what we're targeting for our high-end customers, our, the robo-taxis and full self-driving. Um, but we've also expanded the Orin SOC line. Many of our customers have requested that um, not only do we have high-end offerings, but they want entry-level offerings. They want to be able to have a single architecture, a single software stack that spans their entire line. So from ADAS to level two plus, level three, up to level four and level five, they can have a common hardware architecture that goes in their vehicles a common development effort and common software stack, then we'll have different features depending on the vehicle. And so we're introducing an Orin SOC that will operate at just five watts, delivering 10 tops of performance, and that can be in a front windshield-based system, a front-facing camera, 
um, for just a true ADAS or an NCAP solution to get five-star rating, but architecturally compatible with the entire line. So this will be a, a huge advantage to automakers to have a single development effort as opposed to using different architectures for different solutions in their vehicles. Well, the way it was interpreted by uh, Reuters, and I don't know if there, you have any issues with that, is that you're really changing direction here, in a sense, uh, focusing on bringing this technology into cars to, to really safety technology. Yeah, I, I think um, the, the reality is, is that everything will be autonomous or have some level of automation in it over time. So every single vehicle um, is going to adopt different levels of, of safety and automated capabilities. And so, yes, we're expanding into ADAS. That was a place that we really hadn't competed before. NVIDIA is not a company that develops commodity product. We're not going for the high volume, um, low cost commodity pieces, but rather we're developing technology to do things that nobody has ever done before. And so with this extension now, we provide our customers a full range of product. So as they have different needs for different vehicles, they can have a unified development effort. It's really cost prohibitive today for an automaker to be developing an ADAS solution and a separate automated solution and maybe even a separate fully autonomous solution. So with the NVIDIA Drive platform, they can unify all that, all the work that goes into collecting data, training deep neural networks, testing, validating, simulating can be leveraged across the entire line all the way down into an ADAS system. So if we take a look at what you're doing, how does your automated lane keeping or, or driver assistance, how is it going to differ from what's out there today? Well, again, I think you have different capabilities in different cars and some of the most basic vehicles might have a dedicated front facing camera that has certain capabilities and those capabilities are generally to, to meet the requirements of, of the NCAP and get a five-star rating. And so now we'll be able to leverage work that's done at higher levels of automation where you might have surround cameras or other types of sensors. The automaker will be able to build a solution for the customers working of course with tier ones, we're, we're not the tier one. So we'll integrate a camera and have that forward facing camera unit mounted with NVIDIA Drive in it uh, but the development of the technology there and those safety capabilities um, will then just be expanded as more sensors are added to vehicles and uh, as we move up to even level five. So again, leveraging a common architecture, a unified common software base, the front facing camera obviously is going to be a subset of what would be on a vehicle with a higher level of automation. So is it, is it, go ahead, Alan. Right. So do you, one of the things that I've sort of tried to think about with respect to this whole development, one of the aspects of it is that certainly the, the, in, the effort to get the driverless really required the whole industry to go much, much uh, faster into uh, the uh, automated safety equipment, the, uh, the collision avoidance and all that, as opposed to just doing warnings, the systems had to be good enough, the, the false negatives and false positives had to be slow enough such that in fact they could actually implement and do automatically to keep you from crashing as opposed to just warning you and letting the responsibility be on you. So in a sense, the you can't do driverless by warning 
a driver because there's no driver. So obviously you, you must get to a point in which you do this well enough such that, um, such that you, you don't do warning, you actually do implementation. Absolutely. And then in some sense, it's pushed them to a point where now they are there with, with technology that can do that and they can put it in the vehicles that are coming off the line now Correct. under that architecture that in fact, are a heck of a lot safer, deliver the value, and may in fact have a hardware in it so that if they improve the software, they get more elegant or whatever, you know. They you're, can, you're absolutely you know, right. I mean, you know, conceptually, go ahead. No, so you're absolutely right. This is not a fixed function chip. Um, this is fully programmable as well. And so right. this is part of the software defined vehicle. Software right. updates that continue to get better and better and more capable and new features and things like that. So again, what we've, what we've shown is, um, you've probably seen some of our, our simulation in addition to our real testing where we actually put the entire um, proving ground for NCAP into the simulator and we've run all the different kinds of NCAP tests. Um, I think what's, what's really significant here now though is that with our new Orin um, next generation SOC, we're able to deliver a five watt solution and with a massive amount of computational horsepower that gives us even headroom uh, for future software updates. Yeah, well, to me, this is what's so, I guess let's call it elegant about, about the approach is that in one sense, you've given us a whole heck of a lot of more compute power so that we can brute force and do the things that we wanna do yet, if we get more elegant in our software, where we are in terms of the, the power, it can actually make the functionality all that much more, more robust uh, mm -hmm. by making the software more elegant with sure. the constrained hardware that one has. So one, once, once, once somebody's invested in the hardware, Yes, you of course would like it to become obsolete instantaneously, so you can sell them another one. Of course, not not you know just kidding around, but in a sense, one one creates really a life for that platform that in fact can go through some evolutions of software that in fact enhance the performance of the vehicle, the car, and get closer to the robo taxi, autonomous taxi, driverless. Uh, situation. At least that's the way I sort of see this. Yeah, thing. And, and to that point, I mean, we're not moving away from robo taxis. Again, that's still a big. Uh, yeah, I, I, yes, I, that's why I didn't like. I didn't like yeah. the, the, the the way they they cast it. I didn't see you as moving away. But go ahead. Go right. Ahead. No, and again, I it's really an expansion yeah, of what you're doing, right? Yeah. It, it, absolutely, it's, it's expanding yeah. the range. We're moving up with higher performance for robo taxis because right. you know, virtually every company is using Nvidia for their robo taxis, and in fact they often will have multiple GPUs from right. them. So they need more and more and more performance. So we're delivering on that and then we're moving down into that entry segment, again, on a single architecture that an automaker can then put in every single car. Um, you know, there's one automaker out there today that has an advanced computing system in the car and lots of sensors and it goes out in every car, whether their customers pay for it or not. And it opens up these new business models where they can, sell software updates in the future. And we're definitely gonna to start to see other companies adopting that same kind of model. We just announced um, with Xpeng in China, they are putting into production their P7 uh, luxury sedan, it's an EV, 
um, lots of surround sensors. And it's really the first with our Drive AGX Xavier now to go into full production. So these cars are orderable today and deliveries start next month. Um, and this is again, a software defined vehicle. So they'll be able to add more and more automated capabilities over time. Right, so in a, in a sense, what you're offering is a greater value to the purchaser of the vehicle up front because in fact, the obsolescence and the uh, path of that vehicle is not as great. And in fact, what you can do is through software, continue to have advance and, and have that vehicle uh, uh, maintain its value to the customer. So in fact, it's a, it's a better sales proposition on the initial sell by the auto company to say, hey, you know, we're not giving you something that is going to be obsolete and we're going to try to sell you the next one in the next five minutes. But in fact, we're going to stay with you. We're going to continue to support you. We're going to continue to improve that. And that has been shown, at least by some, to be an extremely valuable sales proposition uh, for, for a particular product. So, I mean, I, I think that that's, that's a great strategy. Danny, how has the uh, COVID-19 pandemic affected the work that you're doing there at NVIDIA? Well, Other uh, than you sitting at home here. <laughs> right, no, sure. And, and so we, um, we actually uh, moved to work from home very early on in the process. Jensen, our CEO, um, very concerned about the health and safety of, of all employees, our customers, partners, and, and the world. And so um, we all went straight to a work at home model. Um, again, we have the ability in many cases to be able to um, do that. And what, um, what we've been able to do, of course, is continue to, to progress forward. Our engineers are still developing. Um, we're using simulation. Of course, this is something that's been ongoing for many years for us. And so the engineers can be developing uh, new algorithms, testing, training, all of that. And we can test and validate in simulation. And in fact, in the keynote today, uh, Jensen presents a, a new video that's entirely in simulation as one of our test vehicles, running the full hardware and software stack in the data center. Um, we're simulating driving out from our headquarters in Santa Clara and driving on urban streets, the cars actuating in the virtual world, but they're running the whole software stack and um, simulating other traffic. We can stop at stoplights, um, get on the freeway and merge, change lanes, all of these things. And so the, the work is progressing um, and it, it's quite incredible. And as soon as um, we're allowed to have vehicles on the road, we're still gonna practice social distancing. Normally we'd have two people in the vehicle. Well, now what we're gonna do is have a safety driver and the co-pilot can be remotely experiencing the vehicle through our, our Drive RC software, which is a new development tool. And so we're able to stream all the AV data remotely uh, and that, Copilot can be monitoring all the systems and in constant communication with the driver, um, even while still being at home. It's it's really fortunate that you did all the investment in, of course, all the things that you've done in gaming is key to being able to do the simulation and really right. have simulators that are in fact one can't do the real world. Mother Nature is who knows. I mean, she's just too finicky, okay? Uh, but in fact, uh, get, get a long way down, down the process in simulation. And then with the horsepower that you can put behind simulation, you can actually do it. So all the investment in, and, and the work that you did leading up to that is all 
proving to be enormously valuable because now the, the guys and the gals that are writing the code, they can just be, man, they're like going nuts. I mean, run them all night. I mean, I'm, I'm sure they don't game. They, I'm, of course they don't, but whatever. Everybody did. Yeah. Uh, maybe, you know, when they want to take a break, but otherwise, I mean, that's, that's sort of what I'm seeing with my students. I, I, yeah, uh, those that have been fortunate enough to have, um, to have access to the compute power in a, in a place where they could work, man, that's just kind of amazing. They, uh, they couldn't screw around the way they do on, never mind. I won't, won't, won't mention all that stuff. You were never there, right? I mean, uh, uh, yes, you were. <laughs> I remember. When I, was there, when I was there, we had to go to the basement of von Neumann and we had like, uh, <laughs> we had like teletype machines. <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> Dan, Danny, what are your thoughts? Alan has argued before that maybe more work is getting done now in, yeah, in, in a sense. You know, um, I, I think there's, there's a lot of, of development work that's got, that's continues. Yeah. And um, I, I think maybe it depends on if you have little kids at home or not, but uh, um, no, I think we, we see ourselves working around the clock um, um, and you know, weekends don't necessarily have the same significance. <laughs> Who knows what day it is? I mean, they're all the same anymore. What? <laughs> I'm working on my and we, we thought they'd all be weekends and they all ended up being Mondays. I mean, we yeah. now have seven Mondays. <laughs> but, no, I, I think in all seriousness, um, there's, there's really just a huge purpose that, that we have in terms of trying to solve really challenging problems. And so be that um, autonomous driving, a, a big part of our company has been focused on computationally trying to cure cancer. Um, and now really a, a big part of the company has risen to trying to, um, help solve the the pandemic and so we have teams and our healthcare group is just um, doing amazing work in terms of work that's helping with potential drug discoveries for diagnosing for um, you know vaccine development all these kinds of things it's, it's been testing right it's really remarkable how much ai plays and again all this work can be done um, up in the data center and so I think that's what's so exciting about some of our new announcements again just a huge data center um, boon in terms of the new architecture and the 20 times performance increase um, will, will again accelerate development so things that took weeks or months can now be done in hours again it just these orders of magnitude of what we can do I mean what do you what do you do in the Moore's law I mean is Moore's law it's even accelerating I mean no, no Moore's, Moore's law has been dead for a while <laughs> I mean, you just, I mean, how many times, how many times great, whatever. <laughs> what the, the beginning of the keynote is about Ampere and really about the data center business. Yeah. So if you, if you just go to nvidia.com on our homepage, there'll be links to it. And there's different chapters. So you can jump ahead and auto's near the end of the keynote. So you can jump to chapter eight if you just want to see the, the automotive news. But um, really the implications across the industry and robotics, another cool thing that was announced is BMW um, is adopting our robotics platform called Isaac um, to essentially create um, first in simulation and train and plan the factory of the future and then they can implement it very easily after everything's been trained. So there's now five logistics robots in the BMW factories that are managing the massive undertaking of creating virtually every car is custom there and they have millions and millions of parts that come in from trucks a day and they'd be able to sort these and get them to the right place on the line in the right time 
And so AI is being used to manage all that and of course train these, all these different picking robots and sorting robots and, and uh, just the movement of goods is, is a huge problem. Uh, and so again, I think we're, we just see AI um, affecting and enhancing every industry and sort of every pipeline within the automotive industry as well. And there's been a lot said too with, uh, through this pandemic about how much more we're gonna be seeing robotics in, in, in many ways, because obviously they don't need social distancing. Right, I, I think we're seeing, um, you know, the, the one comment I'll make maybe on the robo taxi side is I think and we've been talking about this for a little while, the shift maybe from accelerating moving people around to instead moving goods around will be the first use cases. And so we see a, a lot of interest from our partners, you know, like Too Simple uh, is doing automated trucking and hub to hub types of, of uh, routes. Um, other companies that are doing bots for delivering groceries and other types of things. Um, there's just an increased demand for all of that as again, all of us are home and, and the only places that are open are the ones that deliver, whether it's a Costco or Target or an Amazon. Yeah, I mean, we've, we've been talking about this for some time that in fact, uh, the movement of goods within, uh, within both suburban and urban communities is really the opportunity. Um, you know, in the past, it might have been between 1 a.m. and 5 a.m. when the roads weren't all that utilized. Uh, maybe in the future when the roads aren't all that utilized uh, because we're uh, basically, many of us are working at home and, and not going to the, I mean, uh, I, I've sort of said, who who's going to rent, you know, 10 floors of some skyscraper to bring people in on New Jersey Transit, Metro North, Long Island Railroad, an hour and a half each way every day. I mean, really, when we can all be in there through the, and all of a sudden, you know, the opportunity to, to basically move goods uh, with these systems is, is all sitting there. And uh, certainly Jeff Bezos must be absolutely interested in all this i mean what's his he's got to do free delivery i mean uh, how does he do that he has to make the cost of the approach free and mm -hmm. and the, the the way to do that is 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 to do this and do it do it at a massive scale uh not just a little demo here and there you know it's great to do a little demo the, the issue is is how does all this stuff scale to something significant. And I, I think that's that's where you're coming from, Ed, is try to try and make it scale. Well, we'll continue in just a moment, but this is a good time to remind you about our sponsor, the Smart ETFs, Smart Transportation and Technology ETF, symbol MOTO. To get more information, head to MOTOETF.com. When you get to the website, make sure to read the white paper there titled The Smart Transportation Revolution at MOTOETF.com. It's under the Insights and News tab. Great information there that can help you make informed decisions. ETFs can be a really smart way to spread risk with your investments. Focus also on a particular category. Well, getting back to some of the other headlines in the Smart Driving Car newsletter, Alan. Fiat, Chrysler, and Voyage have uh, announced this week a partnership on self-driving minivans. Voyage has been working in retirement communities in California and Florida. We've talked about them before. Again, you know, their software stack on top of now a, a viable hardware stack and so on, uh, they might all of a sudden jump in to be, you know, one of the 
the handful of leaders out there, uh, especially with uh, with Chrysler Fiat with them. Uh, so in a sense, it's not only Waymo and not only Cruz and, G and GM or Ford Argo, but uh, now Voyage is, is in there uh, with, you know, a few others sort of looking around. And of course, all the efforts in China, who, who knows what's going on there, but uh, I'm sure they haven't stopped. So yeah, um, um, more folks out there are trying to make it happen. Again, <laughs> the issue to me is is really the algorithmic and the, and the software side of this thing. Uh, that's the key piece. It looks like the, the hardware pieces are sort of available there uh, for the most part, but uh, but uh, how's, how's the software? Plus, of course, the whole societal acceptance piece of it. And um, and how do we uh, really uh, go into communities and, and have them basically welcome this technology and, uh, and allow it to uh, not only start, but grow to scale. Waymo, meanwhile, has been putting its vehicles back on the road in Arizona. They had suspended operations back in March. Uh, some others, including Zooks and Uber, have also announced plans to resume testing as well. So slowly but surely, uh, things are getting back on the road. Yeah, and as we've, we discussed previously, you know, in simulation, you can make a lot of progress. And, uh, and <clears throat> being out there in the real world, you... The boring stuff is not what you're trying to test. Uh, what you're really trying to test is to find the corner cases uh, where Mother Nature is out there really throwing you a curveball and seeing if you can hit it. And and so that that's the key piece. So uh, that's a very important piece. It doesn't have to be an extensive piece. Um, uh, and um, and so they're they're going back out there. I mean, as I've sort of noted. Uh, you know what they can actually do that with uh, with uh, attendance on board and not being able to carry people. I mean, they have origins and destinations of trips uh, by the who knows whatever, and uh, put the fleet out there and just run the trips without people getting in and on and off and see how many disengagements you have or how many um, uh, times the attendant has to take uh, um, uh, control of the vehicle. And you know you don't need to be serving customers to do that. And once you get up to, hey, uh, you do this well enough such that, that that is rare enough, then maybe somebody will deem you and everybody will deem you to be safe enough to go out there and actually do it. So all those opportunities now exist, uh, but we really have to get, we have to get the software uh, up to so that it can do it, and and um, and then um, and then hope people um, uh, appreciate it uh, to then say, um, I want to use it. And Danny, as you said, uh, when there's a need for safety drivers, they can be remote. That's what you're going to be doing. In, in this case, right, when we're, we don't want to have two people in close confines together, we can have the safety driver monitoring the vehicle and the environment, and the co-pilot who's usually been testing uh, or monitoring the software or other things, that person can, can be remote. Absolutely. And, and all these systems, you have to build the pipe to the vehicle, to and from the vehicle. They're all going to have pipes. They're all going to be supervised some way, somehow. Even at, at scale, you know, 50 years from now, there's going to be a 
pipe to them in which okay. there, there's some oversight. So in a sense, to do that oversight now with respect to you really don't need two people in there. There's almost no reason to have two people in there. I mean, why would you? Because if, if you don't, if you don't have the pipe in there that's able, that's able to, to monitor what's going on and, and be able to not react in nanoseconds such, you know, such that it, it, the, 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 the lag or in, any uh, lag in, in communication might affect it um, is, is really all you need. And there's no need for a person, to, a second person to be in the vehicle. It's it just, just not needed. You need the first person in there. If your software is not good enough that somebody, oh my goodness, I got to take over. Uh, so-called disengagements for which everybody gives them such a you know hard time over but if we're actually going to do the robo taxi we don't have a driver these things are not going to have the opportunity to have somebody take over and that's that's where that's where we have that's where at least one end of this thing has to go otherwise we don't get affordable mobility we don't get the mobility right. machines we don't get the we don't get to move the freight to the goods in, in urban areas go ahead yeah Dan. yeah so i, I think in, in if we talk that route and that's where um the development of our new drive rc the remote control aspect um comes into play and so it's not designed um, to be that immediate handoff, but rather if the AV gets in a situation, it will handle it, it will gracefully stop, move, and then it will call the, the teleop center um, where a remote uh, driver can, can assist in some way. And so we have, we're looking at a sub 200 milliseconds round trip, um, feeding that data from the vehicle to that remote location, and then being able to remotely actuate um, the vehicle as well. So. Uh, I, I think that teleoperation um, becomes a vital part, not for constant uh, use, but in an assistant mode. Right, and and of course, you you might be able to do that. I guess I've sort of commented, you might be able to do that for the onesie twosies of the vehicles that sort of go dead in the middle of the road, or who knows what, or need to be moved over, and so on. To do it at scale with any kind of volume. Uh, with remote operators, I don't know. It, I, it sends shivers up and down my spine. I, I, I don't, I don't. Uh, and why not? Why, why do that? Why not just buy a bunch of your chips, distribute them out there on all the damn vehicles, let them figure out what they do most of the times themselves, and then when you get between the real rock and the hard place in the few cases then you, you basically resolve those situations with some some remote help and remote community. You're going to have to put the communications in there anyway, just for the reassurance of the safety of the of the passenger and so on, the customer support. And, and maybe you almost don't want to sell them something when that never mind. <laughs> During the pro but, you know, uh, absolutely. So um, anyway, I <laughs> just wait, wait. Uh, way I think, uh, you know, the thing evolves. Well, we, we mentioned Waymo. Their first external fundraising round expanded to $3 billion with the addition of new investors. So obviously still a little bit of interest here. Yeah, well, of course there is. I mean, uh, I, I think the, the, you know, the opportunity hasn't gone away. There's still an, 
a whole lot of people who are mobility disadvantaged. Why? Because they can't or choose not to want to drive a car. That is still a significant segment of the population. And it's not just those that are physically handicapped. It's the young, it's the old, it's, it's of course the poor. And if, if we really want to try to level some economic playing fields. I mean, what one needs to deliver is, is mobility so people can, can actually get the jobs and, 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 and improve their quality of life. So, that, you know, there's just an enormous opportunity, a, a business opportunity there uh, that, that is just waiting to be had. And, and if that's the way that, uh, that Waymo decides to go after that or the first one into that market may in fact, um, capture it so well if they don't trip up that they're not leapfroggable as I write you know and uh, and it really is valuable to be the the first in at that and maybe that's why the you know the the funding um, uh, of Waymo continues because I don't know at least from some people's perspective uh, they seem to be out there um, somewhere near the front. We should mention too, uh, Danny, that NVIDIA is getting quite a bit of investor interest too, <laughs> obviously. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, you guys aren't doing so bad. <laughs> well, I mean, you, you... Well, our, our position, we're, we're developing vital technology. Right. It always has been, but I think in, in these times right now, you look at again how gaming is seeing um, just expanded growth. We see Obviously, the need for autonomous vehicles, that's a small part of our company, but it's a huge growth opportunity. But the, the data center, right, the, the shift to people working from home means they're buying more laptops and PCs, and we play a big role in that. But the data center and uh, an expansion of, of AI is, is critical, and that's, those are the areas we're focused on as a company. Look at what the data centers must be doing just so we can do this. And we're not the only ones doing this. Okay. There are, I'm, how many, it's just, it's, it's almost amazing how big the pipe must be and how big those centers must be and how powerful they must be to be able to handle this. I mean, it's, we've, we've done this, this remote education, you know, we sent everybody off campus and, I don't think that there's anything that we found that we would like to do again if if we had to, but but we got through it and it was it's uh, uh, without it being a total disaster. So uh, that's required a lot of things and and on the gaming end, I, you, you guys must be. I mean, if if we're not going to have live sports, what are we going to have? Yeah. Okay. I mean, you know. <laughs> and to make it real, it's got to be realer than it's been. And guess what that takes? <laughs> what you guys are, are building. I mean, yeah, you know, yeah. I mean, I don't know. You talk to me here, Danny. I, I don't know. Well, some of the other stuff that, that's really exciting on the graphics side is what we call RTX. And that's our ray tracing. And that's basically we're modeling the physics of how light travels. So trying to move from something that looks you know, again, more traditional video game or cartoon, like into photo real and be able to do that in real time. And so that's really the, the goal. So there's there's one chapter in the keynote too. It's, it's, it's just amazing work yeah. that our team has been able to do, to do real time um, reflections and refractions and caustics. And again, really try to simulate light um, so that it, it does look real. 
Yeah, as we thought with Toy Story, we thought we had everything that just did it. But hey, I can tell what it is. And, and it's just amazing how, geez, if we just got to 90% of reality, 95, 97, 90, I mean, you know, the eye, the, 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 the Turing test. Oh, my goodness. Tour, Alan Turing. Uh, <laughs> we still... Never mind. We won't go to the Turing test. <laughs> a couple of other quick headlines uh, from the newsletter we want to get to, Alan. Uh, you have some comments about a New York Times piece this week with the headline, this was supposed to be the year driverless cars went mainstream. Well, I, you know, it's sort of been my comment. I think, you know, I, I tend to like to look at this glass as half full as opposed to half empty. And, you know, a lot of people promise a lot of things to keep everybody motivated and do do all the various things that they do to try to move the ball. And uh, I think this is this has given everybody a, a chance to take a take a deep breath, catch up, uh, uh, fix some of the things that were being swept under the rug. And uh, and I think come out of this thing a whole heck of a lot better than 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 they, they might have been. Uh, so uh, I think I think this is I'd like to look at uh, with every adversity. There's opportunity, and um, you know this is this is opportunity. And we've talked about that. I think I'm going to open a can of worms here with this one, Alan. <laughs> a story in the Verge got your attention with the headline: How the novel coronavirus is speeding the scooter apocalypse. Yeah, I mean, I who, I don't know. Uh, who would have thought there You're would be You're not scooters? a huge fan of the scooters. Uh, I don't, well, because I'm too old. <laughs> if I get on one, my wife won't let me get on one because she knows that I'm, I'll, you know, whatever. And um, 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 yeah, I mean, it's, it's sort of interesting. The Segway was supposed to be the transportation system of the future and for some reason created nothing but a bunch of seg holes. And now we have, you know, um, um, what is scooter holes? And um, um, I don't know. I, I guess I'm not from California or whatever and haven't gotten into it. it it's just, you know, the, the, the people, the, the kids, yeah, I'll get myself in real trouble. The kids that tend to use this actually should be walking, okay? And, um, and um, I, you know, it is maybe a mobility solution for, you know, an epsilon group of trips and whatever and niche. And, but to just have a deluge and, you know, the fundamental problem of them is the empty scooter redistribution problem. Okay, because uh, you take one and you drop it off someplace and there's nobody to bring it back. Eventually, guess where all the things are? All way out there and not brought back. And so you got to go get somebody to go <sighs> lug those suckers back there. That's one of the great things about robo taxis. They can bring themselves back by themselves. <laughs> uh, actually, I mean, I've argued this. I mean, uh, wh why do I need a taxi driver or why do I need an Uber driver? Not to drive me, I could do it myself, is to bring the vehicle to me when I want to go and to redistribute the, the vehicle between trips. That's the real value of them, okay? And uh, hey, if you can get a computer to do that. Anyway, <laughs> uh, yes, <laughs> I get myself in a lot of trouble. <laughs> Ford, Ford is making headlines again. They've announced uh, their all-electric Mustang Mach-E will be getting over-the-air updates 
and will get better over time. That kind of sounds familiar. Yeah, I, I'll <laughs> let let the audience. Boy, man, the, what a customer service. Okay, I think we've been commenting on that uh, for for a while. But the, the, the every time we mention Tesla, you bring that up. No, I didn't. I didn't mention the, the name, but you know, it's just it's just is just better care of the customer. You know, how many cars have you bought, Fred or or Danny, that you buy it and you know, is like, hey, yeah, they'll change your oil and stuff like that. But do they really ever improve it? Do they really ever make any attempt to you know upgrade something on it? No, I mean, it's, it's not been the business model of the industry, fortunately or unfortunately. I guess the madmen of the, of the 50s and 60s set it up this way, or the 30s or 20s or 10s or wherever, you know, whoever started all this stuff. But in fact, all of a sudden with over-the-air updating, and I keep talking about it, you know, what they also get is they also get all the data of all the experiences of all the vehicles and all that. I mean, a rich data set like that, I, I never dreamed of it. That's why I want to get out. I'd love to get, you know, get a hold of that sucker and, you know, really see you should be able to, Danny, <laughs> any comments or? Yeah, you know. I think you're absolutely right. It's like, so I've been driving a, a car that gets regular software updates for the last three years and it, uh, I get new features, new capabilities, and sometimes new games integrated into the car for while you're charging, you know, things like that. And so I find it hard to imagine ever buying a car in the future that doesn't have that capability. Once you have it, just like your phone, right? Would you ever buy a phone that does not get software updates? The answer is no, right? I mean, you can't go back. Who would think, and, and who would want to put a phone out there? Because of course, all of a sudden there's a glitch on it. There's a, who knows what, the, you know, there's a bug someplace. You've got to fix it. And to fix it, you, you know, you can't bring it all in the back to the garage and put it up on a lift and, you know, and, and grease pouring all over everybody to fix it. Here, you know, you just, now, you know, there's security and all that stuff and you have to make sure you, you, know, you don't get hacked and then all the other things, but geez, make that solid. And the, again, the customer service, this is all in the end, it's a, it's a, it's a selling cars to individuals is a consumer business and the customer is supposed to be key in that. And that's really how you, Maintain the customer. I don't know. Talk to me here, Danny. <laughs> <laughs> Seems obvious to me. Well, <laughs> well obviously, Danny sold because he bought into it, right? <laughs> yeah, I guess he did. <laughs> I, I bought into it, and, that, and that's what we're, we're delivering. So we're enabling yeah. any car maker now to follow suit and have this full software-defined platform. It can go in every single vehicle. There may be different levels, but yeah. it gives them the ability to within, within whatever range they're in to continue to update that vehicle and make it better and better over time. Right, and it has been, it's been, I've been corrected that all these vehicles are not connected because they have the communication pipeline to be able to actually do the communications, and I agree. What, what I tend to think of connected was, of course, these things are supposed to be remotely, uh, you're, warn each other that in fact, there's you know something up ahead to do collision avoidance, and I've always thought that that was you know 
like, wait a minute. No, I mean, uh, uh, each vehicle needs to take care of itself. It needs to have the power to do that itself, as opposed to trying to rely on somebody warning them that uh, that they're coming or something. But uh, I just, never mind. We won't go there. <laughs> another, another place where I get myself in enormous trouble. <laughs> another little issue that's, that's caught your attention has been the behavior of so many people on the roads or the misbehavior, I should say, during this, during this uh, pandemic. Yeah, I mean, there is sort of this behavioral issue with respect to traffic that, that under basically um, moderate traffic tends to go faster than no traffic or heavy traffic. Because if you're out there alone, um, you're not trying to pass anybody. And so therefore you end up not traveling quite as fast but uh, if there are a few people out there then there's always a few in the distribution of drivers that i've got to be first or something like that uh, and so they end up passing each other and therefore that increases the speed it's, it's rather interesting that the, the data coming in with this great downturn in 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 travel basically indicates that in fact people are just traveling a heck of a lot faster and of course because there's nobody on the road they think they can they can um, uh, be on their phones and uh, either playing games or who knows what and um, apparently i guess we still have to wait uh, you know the crash number of crashes is down but the crash rate is up uh, we'll have to wait you know again uh, uh, with for the data and, and look at in post-mortem situation but um, you know um, it's um, it's a shame okay where's everybody trying to run to get to I mean there's no place to go I mean, <laughs> I mean for once it's only the pleasure of the of, of the trip that that is that is motivating and so why are you in such a hurry to get it done I I don't know but anyway uh, it's uh, it's kind of a weird thing that seems to be happening out there before we go Alan Congratulations to one of your students, Nicholas Johnson, named the valedictorian of the Princeton class of 2020, yep. the first black valedictorian in the 274 year history of Princeton. The first Orphe major in <laughs> to be valedictorian. I mean, he's a uh, operations research and financial engineering major. I claim him as one of my students since I'm director of undergraduate studies. So I guess I own them all in our department. Uh, but uh, but we are so so very proud of Nicholas. I mean, it is just. Uh, an enormous accomplishment uh, to be named uh, valedictorian. It's the uh, first one we've had in the department, although as I'd like to point out, Jamie Iononu, a new uh, CEO of eBay, was a Pine Prize winner. So, uh, um, you know, I'm very proud of him also. And um, and uh, given um, given where Jamie's and ending up, uh, where Nicholas is going to end up is who knows. Uh, unfortunately, he's not interested in smart driving cars yet. <laughs> uh, I, I, I would it wouldn't surprise me if he ended up or wherever he goes. I mean, he's he's just just I mean, off the charts, absolutely off the charts. Terrific. Well, that's going to wrap up this edition. 
Thanks to our sponsor, the Smart ETFs, Smart Transportation and Technology ETF. The ticker symbol for the ETF is MOTO. More information is available at MOTOETF.com. We want to thank NVIDIA's Danny Shapiro for joining us again today. Really appreciate it, Danny. Great information as always. Thank you, Danny. Thanks, Alan. Thanks, Fred. Stay safe, everyone. Yep, every, and absolutely, everyone, absolutely. Stay healthy, safe, and, and happy. And we want to let you know that the next edition of our new Zoom Tank live debate series is coming up Monday, 2 p.m. Eastern. The Future of Public Roadway Transit, a debate featuring Jarrett Walker, president of Jarrett Walker and Associates and Cato Institute fellow Randall O'Toole, plus a panel of sharks, including Brad Templeton, Michael Senna, who's out with another impressive edition of The Dispatcher, by the way, Jerome Luton, and drumroll please, Alan Kornhauser. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever. Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, sort of the small tagline, is it time to throw the bus under the bus? But, you know, we sort of, um, hey, this, this is, to me, it's a great opportunity for the movement of people. And that's what transit is and creating mobility machines that actually uh, provide mobility to folks. So, yeah, we should be able to stir it up a little bit and, uh, and you know, talk about it. How, how do we, uh, how do we again take the, the unfortunate situation that we're in and turn it into an opportunity and, 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 and improve the quality of life of, of, of as many people as we possibly can out of all this. So what you need to do, good idea to do it now maybe, is pre-register at zoom-tank.com. That will allow you to engage in the discussion. A live feed will also be available on YouTube. But if you want the opportunity to submit questions, you have to pre-register at zoom-tank.com. You can find us at smartdrivingcar.com, also on Anchor FM, Spotify, TuneIn, Apple, Google, Spreaker, SoundCloud, wherever you get your podcast. Ask your smart speaker to play us too. You can find my tech reports at textination.com. I'm Fred Fishkin along with Alan Kornhauser. Thank you for listening or watching and stay safe. Thank you, Danny.